she asked me to meet her for lunch. And then I bumped, literally bumped into the human resources manager. I mean, completely so embarrassing. Like, I just remember my friend being so embarrassed. Like, I literally, like, smacked into her because I was looking at the gold records on the wall. Welcome to Off Key, a member on Labs podcast about music professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Join me, an industry novice, in conversations with members of Canada's music industry to learn more about their roles and how they first got started in the music business. This week on Offkey, I'm chatting with Kate Waddy, who's the founder of Tonic Records, a record label and artist management company based out of Vancouver. She's also the co-founder of Exile on Main Street, a one-stop vintage and musical instrument shop. Though she had intentions to pursue a career in the fine arts, focusing on art history, Kate ended up having an unconventional introduction to the music industry, and I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe to Offkey on your preferred listening platform and consider leaving us a rating and review, they really do help. Anyways, let's get right into my conversation with Kate Waddy. I grew up in New Westminster, so pretty much Vancouver, very close. Um, I grew up, uh, yeah, I grew up in New West. Um, I have lived here and I've lived in England quite a bit. Oh, really? Like? in England were you living? Uh, in London. My mom and my brother actually live over in the UK. My mom's from England. So the, I had a lot of British influence when I was growing up. We spent like a, a, probably a month there every year. So that's how I got into the music industry actually in England. Oh, really? So how old were you? So you're going a month every year. Um, was there ever a period that you were living there for like when were you living there for a significant period of time? Uh, yeah, I moved there pretty much uh, like a few months after I graduated high school. I just decided to move there in a sort of like, I'm not sure how long I'm going to go for. I just packed a suitcase and I moved in like less than two weeks. <laughs> and, you know, I got there and I didn't have any experience really in anything. So a friend of mine from who, who was, uh, I knew from Canada or from British Columbia was working for Virgin Records there for the head office. And she asked me to meet her for lunch. And then I bumped, literally bumped into the human resources manager. Oh, wow. I mean, completely so embarrassing. Like I just remember my friend being so embarrassed. Like I literally like smacked into her because I was looking at the gold records on the wall. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So we started talking and... She's like, oh, you know, if you ever want a job, give me a call. And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm more into like fine art. (laughs) So thanks, but no thanks. Um, And then two months, uh, two months later, I gave her a call (laughs) because I realized that I have no experience and I would take any job at that moment. So you're like fresh out of high school at this point, like 17 or 18, probably. Yeah, I just turned 18. 
what you said that you were interested in fine art so that's what you were interested in pursuing when yeah I was taking a little bit of time off then I was going to study art history and um, I grew up around a lot of art my mom was involved in the art world and and so I that just seemed a natural transition to me I mean I loved music but that was not sort of my path at that moment but you know amazing what living in London and a little desperation will do (laughs) so so that's kind of how I ended up in this industry okay so mostly when you were younger would you say that maybe you're more of like a consumer of music rather than I was definitely a consumer of music yes I did do piano lessons and my mom's best friend was our piano teacher which really, and she is a piano teacher, so it wasn't just like a fluke thing, but or a friend thing. But I have to say, being taught piano by your mom's best friend, and they're both British and went to boarding school. Let me just say, I just dreaded these classes, <laughs> and I was not a natural. So, um, it's rather hilarious to me that I've ended up in the music industry after a really initial first sort of go at it so yes I am not what you might call I'm not a very good musician actually I'm just not natural but I do I am always being a big consumer of music were you you said that you were your intention was to study um, art history in post-secondary were you making art yourself or were you kind of more interested like in the history and and that kind of stuff um yeah I've done a few um art classes and drawing classes but I'm not naturally a very artistic person in that in that sense like I my interest was always on the history part um my goal was to work in a, in a gallery um and or a museum so that was more where my interest lay I mean London's definitely the city for that so it makes sense for why you would go there it is and my mom has a huge family so you know, it wasn't like I ended up in London by myself. My mom's one of like six siblings. So I, you know, I was living with my aunt who she t- made me tell everyone that we were cousins because she was like, I am, she worked in PR. She's like, I cannot have my niece living with me. So it was great. It was like, it w- it couldn't have been, it was a fantastic place to be. And there's art everywhere is there. So yeah, it was great. I love being in London just because all the galleries and museums are free and you can just hang out there. It's so nice. Exactly. No, I know. Exactly. It Totally. And that's the thing. Like as an 18 year old, it was just like, it was perfect. It's so good. Canada really needs to adopt that. I think like open door policy with galleries and arts because it definitely um, like flattens the industry a bit and makes it a little bit less highbrow and intense, I think. When you can just go into a gallery and like not have to really commit that long there if you don't want to. You can like stick your head in, see if you're interested, leave. Like no one's breathing down your neck. I agree with you. I agree 100% with you. This is actually a bit of a pet topic for me, actually. I really feel it changes how how we consume art and what it means, its value in our society. Like the minute, like the moment you have free museums like that, it changes the whole aspect. A hundred percent. And it completely changes the way that obviously the like government and this, the city or whatever views the arts and its importance in society. Like something that's for everybody and not for the privileged few that can, you know, pay to go see it. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, bringing it back to music in a, I feel that way with music too. I mean, I feel Canada is quite, and you know, BC is, is really good about, you know, having free events. Um, but the same applies to that because it just changes. It's like how we view the consumption of art or the consumption of music. The minute we put value on it as a society, it totally changes our respect for it. 100%. And so sorry to backtrack a little bit. Um, did you end up going to post-secondary for art history or did you stay in music? Um, <laughs> I did. Um, I ended up going for about a year. So I, so in, I did get a job at Virgin Records and I worked there for a couple of years. What was your role there? Well, this is the funny part is so, um, I cannot remember the woman's name, but she's like, you know what? There's a job doing, helping with the accounting department for the smaller labels that Virgin owns. So it's just like Virgin Canada, Virgin US, Hut Records, and all these other dance and electronic labels. And I was like, well, I failed algebra at 12, which is true because I didn't really go to the last few classes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not really my thing. She's like, oh, just go for it. She goes, you'll be amazed. You probably won't have to do that much accounting, which she was right. My job actually ended up being the sort of liaison of getting all these departments to sign off on these ridiculously huge budgets. Oh, wow. That and which is really when I think back to it of like being 18, I really can't believe that my job was running around between all these different departments getting people to sign off and one department would agree with something and one wouldn't. And that really was my job. That's amazing that I mean, obviously, you had the connection with um, your, did you say your cousin that was working? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't for Virgin. She actually worked for um, another company, but but then you had a literal run in. <laughs> yeah, it helped it, totally just having that. So that really became my that that was more my my job. Yeah, it was a really interesting introduction to the music industry. Because I really saw every aspect. Did that job make you I mean, it must have because you're still in the industry, but did that attract you more to music and kind of deter you a little bit away from doing art history? Because you said you did return or you did go to school for art history for a year. Um, I did. Yeah, I think it did. Actually, I've never really thought about that, but I th that's a good question. Yeah, I think it did. I actually really enjoyed enjoyed it. And I think because my job wasn't fully constantly behind a desk. And I got to see all parts to it. I actually became more intrigued by the industry and not and more so it wasn't like less so of the other. It was just became more of a thing. And that yeah, I think it was it was a really great introduction, um, especially at Virgin, which has a really diverse roster. So I would see all aspects uh, and that uh, from the artists to the people to the industry people working in there and. Yeah, I, it was it was really fantastic. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit when we start talking about Tonic. Um, but what were kind of some of the ways in which working for a record label at that time was really different compared to how it is running a label now? Well, yeah, it was def it was quite a few years ago, so things were definitely a bit different in the sense that there was a lot more money in 
the recording aspect. So the, the label side of the industry had a lot more cachet and a lot more money. Um, you know, people were still buying CDs. So that really, it, that aspect has changed. I think, I think that record labels don't hold all the power to the degree that they did when I started working in the industry, when I started working in the industry, you know, labels were the top of the food chain and they really were able to, I'm, I'm trying to find the right wording for it, but you know, they, they had a lot more sort of say, I mean, you get a lot of boutique labels now that really do have, you know, our tastemakers and whatnot, but, but um, when I started working, it wasn't the, music industry wasn't as community oriented. I'm not saying community as in out to sort of the public, but more within the art. Everyone had more segregated roles. Okay. That makes sense. After Virgin, so you were there for three years and then what did you move on to? Did you stay in London or did you move back to like Vancouver and New West? Um, I, yeah, I did stay in, uh, in London for a while and then I came back um, for family reasons and then I actually yeah I went to start taking art history and I thought I'd go down that path and it's the usual story of you know you run into somebody and someone's like oh a friend of mine owns a guitar store and they need some help Um, and that's kind of how I ended up getting back into the industry. Okay, so you were working at their shop then in Vancouver? Yeah. Okay, cool. So to fast forward a bit, hopefully this isn't confusing. Um, today you're with, or you've founded Tonic Records. Um, for any listeners who don't know, what well, could you tell me a little bit more about Tonic and like your history and your role within the company? I can. Yeah, it, uh, it really started by just managing a couple friends of mine and then you know, they wanted to put out albums and we couldn't find anybody. So then I started putting out their albums and it really started like that. And it kind of, I, it, it, in the beginning, it wasn't quite as intense as it's become now, but it was sort of helping out friends and then it became this thing. And then the management side is what really grew. And that it's sort of in the last five years has really grown to this whole other, yeah, the last six years, it's really grown into this whole other aspect. So it took a, a few years to kind of get off the ground, partly because I was ended up staying at that guitar shop for quite a while. And, and so that's why it took a little longer for me to really get fully back into it. When you were first starting to work with the artists that you knew, um, what did that kind of look like? Like, what were you doing to put their music out there for anyone that might be kind of in a similar boat, whether they're an artist themselves, kind of trying to figure things out on that end? Um, yeah, I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> um, you know, my job was really doing every aspect I could from like trying to get shows, you know, trying to hire publicists, and sometimes we couldn't afford publicists. So then it would be like doing the press and PR myself to helping get the artwork and finding money to record. I mean, those really were my basic day-to-day jobs. That's really where it's sort of centered. And as the as it grew, it became more about, you know, helping 
build those teams and, you know, find good partners to work with. It just took it just in the beginning, the first few years were way more chaotic. So that that is a big part that changed. Do you still work with some of the artists that you were working with at that time? I do. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know how they've managed to sort of put up, but maybe we were all learning at the same time. I think that was all part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm still very hands on. And sometimes I would say that might be a little bit of a failing on my part. But I, yeah, I think that is really being... I'm still very hands-on, but I we, we have a little, just only a smidgen better idea of what we're doing now than then. Really small smidgen, sometimes I'm not sure, but. <laughs> when you say you're really hands-on, so you've grown, um, now you have, like, it sounds like you have like a bit more of a team. It's not just you anymore, hey? It's not just me anymore, no. So, which is nice. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that really helps. There, there's one key thing right there. Yeah, I imagine it's probably pretty all-consuming, especially if you're working with like artists that are like friends and that you're quite close with as well. It, yeah, it, it's exactly. It's it's hard not to become friends with you know the people. Well, you hope to. I mean, it's a very inclusionary job, but yeah, it can be very hands-on, uh, and it can also be ridiculously. It can be a little crazy busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. So now that you've been able to take a step back is the wrong word, but I would say like maybe like oversee the team more um, rather than you being kind of like super in the trenches yourself. Uh, What does your job like today actually entail? I'm still quite involved on most of the projects. I'm still, delegation is still something I sometimes struggle with, but my day-to-day job, so what I have done over the last year is decide to only work on focus on sort of two things a day uh, just to get them done. But really my job is, I mean, we always have a lot of funding applications and I do have people that help work with me on that, but there is still a lot of delegation. Um, The management side takes up quite a bit, I think, of my day to day. And then the, the label distribution side and the sales side is sort of probably a quarter of what I do and my day can just like it it kind of depends on what's going on you know like yesterday for example we announced Leroy Stager's new uh, album coming out in September and True North are the label which is great so that's excellent but my really my day started very early making sure that my job was making sure all the different teams um, worldwide were coordinated on this announcement that pretty much summed up how most of my day went yesterday because once you get that done then it's just getting up, making sure everything's where it should be on socials the right people being contacted everybody has the information you know that really took me till six o'clock last night it was like almost a 12-hour day but so that is for example what my day can be like today my day really involved being more involved at the guitar shop that I also own because the we we happen to be extremely busy and we're a little short staffed so I end up having to go in there and that's where most of my day today has ended up going oh nice it's nice at least there's like a little bit of um like change between the two there is yeah exactly yeah so it's never you, you know I do try and lay out my week so that you know not just myself but all of us on the team so that we know what we're working on and we we you know we can see things coming up that we need to 
get done and whatnot. But the one thing with the music industry, and it's probably it's not just this industry, is it's very reactionary. So yeah, you never you know, making sure I'm prepared to be able to go off in a direction if some other aspect suddenly comes up or an op- opportunity comes up, that's always the other thing as well. When you say that you're coordinating for the release with like, you know, different teams and components kind of around the world, like what are the different pieces that go into the release of a new album? Well, yeah, I mean, yesterday we started with the announce. So, you know, yesterday was we announced the album. So it's coordinating all those publicists. So in this case, that was uh, just primarily UK and North America. But, um, you know, the pieces are we had to make sure we have we released a single yesterday. We released a video yesterday and we announced the album. So those were the main pieces that we had to coordinate yesterday to get into one piece. And then it's making sure all the team members, the radio people, because of course we released a single at the same time, the radio people are coordinated on what they need. So they have all the assets they need to also be able to facilitate that at commercial radio. Uh, All the publicists have what they need um, because of course they actually are more public facing. So they have to get their, uh, press releases together, make sure with the single, everything's on Spotify, Apple Music and all that with in the way it is. And then the other component to yesterday is making sure that our branding and social media and everything matches exactly what all these other team members are putting out so that everything looks like one coordinated flow. Okay. That's a lot. It sounds like a lot. I mean, we had time to prepare. And I will definitely say there were a few moments yesterday where I'm like, oh, dear. Oh, no. But, you know, and it's making sure that you have the tour dates to include with the announce. That was sort of Wednesday's kind of job, you know, making sure we have everything, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, so that's not a normal day, I will say, you know, in my daily job, because obviously you're not going to have. It depends on how many releases you have in a year you know, that's not going to be day to day. The actual announce day is not going to be your every day. You might have that once a month or something. But yeah, that kind of summed up that that's really been the focus of this week. That is so much. And I can't imagine when you were starting tonic and doing all of those things yourself. I yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I didn't have the you know, the artists I was working with or the artists I still work with, you know, the teams weren't as big then and they weren't as quite as well known so it was slightly different so that that aspect has changed and you know and it's I, I'm lucky because you know now I have people that work with me so I'm not doing all this by myself true north were gr- are great um, the difference between when I started in industry is and now is that in the past true north would have done all that coordination but this time around, and particularly and primarily just with this project, this because True North allowed us to put together the teams, that coordination fell more on my my shoulders. So, yeah, it just uh, we made it through the day. That was the main thing. Yeah, that's good. The release was announced. <laughs> it's that's happening. Yeah, that's exactly. The cat's out of the bag now, and there were no major major screw ups. So. Okay, I'll take the small wins. Oh, that's good. 
So Tonic was founded, um, I was reading, more than 10 years ago. And so obviously since then, there have been some major changes in the music landscape with regards to first legal downloading and now streaming and things. What have been some of the challenges with running a label during such a a disruptive time in the industry? Um, And how have you kind of overcome them? That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, yeah, it has changed quite a bit. I mean, on a financial level for labels, particularly, so forget the management side, that is, it's also affected that as well. But I mean, just people streaming and or illegally downloading music versus in the past having to physically purchase music has changed that whole financial aspect of the industry, which has, you know, affected many of the labels. And uh, you know, and had a huge impact actually on the industry as a whole. And that did take a little bit of getting used to, I think for everybody who had been in the, in the industry for a while, um, some have embraced it more than others, um, you know, and then it's having to understand and get to know, you know, the opportunities uh, with streaming of which there's a whole other bunch of opportunities that come with people being able to access your music globally without, you having to sometimes hire massive teams or have a massive label behind you or a tour there. So it's kind of being able to learn how to facilitate those opportunities. And so it's been a bit of a learning curve, I think, for everybody. I don't think it's just for me, but it's been very interesting to watch and and be involved in. But I I think for personally, this is more a personal thing than even a professional thing. I I think it's been great, actually, for the industry as a whole. I I feel that it's added some diversity to the industry and and just presented great opportunities for artists. Do you think that smaller labels and management companies have been able to react a little bit better, or do bigger labels? Have? I do. Yeah, I really do, and that, that's part of what I mean by it. it. Yeah, exactly. It's just like. You know, when I started in the industry, if you weren't part of one of the big labels of which, you know, there was like whatever, five or six of them, if you weren't part of one of those teams, and even when you were part of there, at least high up on the ranking, um, you know, you really, it was a real big upward climb to get anyone to notice you. Whereas now, these small labels and management companies, you know, their artists could suddenly make it really big thanks to, you know, streaming and, and YouTube and whatnot. So I think it's given a lot of opportunities for smaller, smaller companies. I can't believe I didn't ask this before, but who are some of the artists that you work with? Um, I work with the Harpoonist and the Axe Murder, Leroy Stagger, who I mentioned before, Buckman Co., Terrence Jack, Moo, Bocevis King. My brain suddenly, how it's funny being put it's, on the it's spot. It's also. <laughs> Yeah, it's Friday. It's been a long week. Yeah. But yeah, that those are some of the artists we work with. What are some of your goals for Tonic down the road for seeing it kind of grow or for artists like at, or adding artists to the roster and things? Yeah, so that is something that is a goal for Tonic. My goal is to really build and raise the management company. I I really enjoy the label side and that part will always stay, but it is there more to help 
develop artists and give them those tools and opportunities if they need them, if, you know, if, if we want to go down that road. But the management side is really where my day-to-day heart is. And my goal is to grow that company on the West Coast. Um, and my really would love to, and we need to include and represent more female artists. That's really my number one focus for the coming year is uh, how we can uh, well not how we can I know I can but just uh just diversifying the roster a bit when you're looking for artists to add to the roster is there like a specific sound that you're more interested in or things like that or is it kind of whatever like is good yeah I think it's yeah not I think whatever is good I think I definitely tonic has gone down a bit more of an Americana rootsy genre. Uh, but, you know, the addition of Moo, which is more an electronic artist, is, you know, has changed that already. And I think we're really open to to whatever. I mean, all of us on the team listen to, to all types of totally different music. So, you know, it's kind of, it, who knows what it's going to look like in a year from now. With you saying that you're focusing more on the management side of the business, um, would you say then that that's probably a side of the industry that with the way the landscape has shaped, that's kind of more important for artists to have now if their career is taking off rather than going to a label, like if they were to maybe choose, I guess, between the two? Is that totally comparing apples to oranges? Or <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I really do. I I think that is... I think the management role, which was really the bottom of the pile, well, that and agents, no offense, agents, but um, I think that the management role has really shifted and become almost more important than the the label. And, you know, as some of these, uh, you know, big artists are choosing to just manage themselves and put out music however they like, I think we're starting to see that more and more. So, yes, I do think that that, um, arm of the industry is changing for a young artist that is interested in adding a manager to their team or feels like they they need that how does the manager kind of work with an artist to take their career to the next step if that makes sense I think uh, yeah it does I think it depends on the man there's all different types of managers and and their role of how they work with artists I mean uh, sort of generically speaking, the manager should be working with the artist to even a developing artist to sort of build what their, you know, what their goals are, what, how they want things to look and, you know, say short-term goals and long-term goals, and then helping make those connections and, or help build that, you know, that career path that they're looking to do that. That's a big part of, of a manager. Do you have any advice for artists that are looking to start working with a manager or label and kind of how to start making those connections? I have, I do have some advice. Yes. I mean, I think I, I meet a lot of artists who, you know, are just starting out and they're like, well, I just, I need a manager. I'm like, you don't need a manager. What you need to do is go out and play some shows, record some music, kind of start to build that buzz yourself and learn those ropes yourself, you know, and that's, it's always the way it's like, as things sort of start to grow for that artist, momentum builds, of course, people always come around. It's always the nature of life. Um, So my advice always 
to sort of young, uh, developing, or not to be young, but just developing artists is, yeah, it's just get out there and hustle as much as you can to sort of create it for yourself and just even just knowledge sake and and then and then start to look for a manager as you kind of hit your sort of glass ceiling of what you can do and or you're too busy you know so you need more more additional help how have you in the past gotten in touch with artists that you're working with today uh, most of them were introduced to me by other people that's really it. I, I There's not really been an artist that I've come across that I've just kind of met and or found their music by chance. So uh, for me, that's how that's how I've ended up working with most of the artists. I mean, obviously, I like their music, but the sort of initial introduction is either being, you know, someone's introduced me or someone's like, oh, I think, you know, and then they've either most of them have reached out to me. And so we talked, you touched on this very, very briefly, um, but you also started a retail shop, Exile on Main Street. Did. Could you tell me a little bit more about your decision to open up a musical instrument shop? And Yeah, I actually, I opened it with three friends of mine, two of who I used to work with at the other guitar shop. And we kind of missed working together. And we also saw that Vancouver could really do with this sort of small boutique sort of niche store. I mean, we have a lot of like modular synth and, and um, pedals in the shop and, and that it was just something we wanted to do. I mean, all of us who own it uh, and work there, you know, all have other things that we do. In my case, Tonic Records and... In Chris Young's case, he uh, owns and runs Union Pedals, and so. But it was just something that we wanted to do, and it's it's actually been really great and fun, and it's also been great because it's very much kept me connected to the community. The beauty at the guitar shop versus like the label and management company is the immediacy of it. Like when I was there today, I forgot. Like people come in and you talk to them, and it, over the years, I've got to know many of the people that come in the shop and, you know, and it, it's very, it's very immediate. It's like they want to purchase something specific and I can either help them or not. And, but it's really great to keep a sort of tab on what's sort of going on and just sort of in the music community versus just within a bubble of working with very select certain artists. So it's been a great sort of, I would say, addition to what I do. Yeah, of course. And again, probably helps like turn your brain off is the wrong thing to say here, but like disconnect from something that is so intimate and intense, like the label and the management agency, that's like a little bit more just, yeah, customer facing and. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. It's great. I'm still working within the music industry. It's just a different aspect of it. So yeah, I really do enjoy that. And I mean, this isn't the case necessarily because you're an owner as well, but I've always found like with retail and stuff, it's nice because like when you leave, work stays at work. It doesn't follow you around. A hundred percent. It's true. It is so true. With re- Like I can leave there and it's like, okay, I lock the door, the alarm's on. I don't know how to think about it any it's like no one's longer. Mail you at a weird hour. <laughs> no. And do you have any advice for someone that's interested in pursuing a career in the industry, whether that's as an artist or you know, on the business end, perhaps like you and how 
could someone maybe more specifically on the business end kind of first get their foot in the door if they aren't so lucky to bump into someone mm-hmm. literally that works at Virgin? Yeah, I know. I know that's so random. Um, yeah, I mean, my, you know, going to the sort of industry events is a great way. It's not even so much for the knowledge, but just to start meeting people within the industry. I think that's a great way for people to, and or if there's like an artist you like or a label you like, calling them and asking them, you know, do you need any help part-time, interning? It's a great way to get your foot in the door. And the more people I speak to in this industry, this the music industry is an interesting one for a lot of interns end up getting jobs in the industry or, or where they were interning. So I often sort of say that to people who are interested in getting into the industry and are kind of just starting out. It's like, well, if I were you, I see if anyone needs an intern or somewhere that you really want to work. And you never know, it very often turns into a job. And Kate, what's next for you? And do you and Tonic have any projects that are coming up um, either later this summer or for the rest of the year? Yes, we do. Uh, Moo are releasing the new single next week. Um, Lover Come Monday. Uh, Terrence Jack is releasing a new single after that in July. Harpoonist and the Axe Murder are doing Calgary Folk Fest and Edmonton Folk Fest. Uh, Leroy Stagger is has a new album coming out on September 13th and is touring all over the place. Um, Buckman Co. is touring in Japan in September. And Bocephus King are, is off to Italy next week for a tour. So there's quite a bit coming up. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, so it's good. We'll definitely link to the tour dates and also the Edmonton and Calgary Folk Fest in the show notes. So if anyone Great. wants to find tickets or get more information. Um, and last but not least, but where can people find you in Tonic Records? Well, you can find us online at tonicrecords.com, um, on Facebook as Tonic Records and Instagram. And um, Exile as well. You can find it as Exile Electronics, um, both online and on Instagram and Facebook. And or you can just email us um, at kateatonicrecords.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And thanks again, Kate, for coming on to the podcast. I've linked to the show notes for our conversation in the description, so make sure you check those out for photos, links, and other media on the topics that we discussed, including the upcoming releases and shows for some of the artists that Kate works with. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, and if you have any topics that you would like me to bring up with one of our next guests, you can either email me at offkey at membran.net or send me a message at either Membran Labs or Linksa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music's rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranlabs.com. Before this episode's introduction and throughout the outro, you've been listening to Harpoonist and the Axe Murderer with their song Forever Fool. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next Monday chatting with Lisa Logotenko of The Orchard Canada, Dynalone Records, and Bedlam Music Management. 
I'll play you out now with Strange Attractor by Leroy Stagger. Thanks. Yeah.